it's very weird because like obviously like Georgia has been around the block if you go um look up from Georgia twist with like anything um you get some really good tweets about glee <laughs> no it's the real world it's not the glee. real world I'm so the sorry real world. the broadcast the biggest podcast in Vancouver pretty much we participate in light misandry get out of here with that <laughs> sexism all of our societal structures are designed in ways to inherently prejudice women coach's corner was kind of like my bathroom break I don't like to be bamboozled I think it's amazing what you guys are doing I mean I'm having a lot of fun anyway hi and welcome to the broadcast I'm Mallory I'm your host this week Today, we're here with Georgia and Sam, and then we have a very special guest, Clarissa, who is here to talk about the Botry Project, but also is just going to be here the whole episode to deal with us. Um, that's about it. Georgia said she was going to talk about something, and I don't know what it was. <laughs> what? <laughs> I said you were going to read something, didn't you? No, I said there's no new reviews. <laughs> okay, anyway, Sam actually... Sam was going to do something. highs and lows because Sam was highs, highs and lows. lows. Sam, um, <laughs> we're off to a stellar start. Um, oh my god, highs, <laughs> highs this week. I'm not doing lows anymore because I just I'm sick of the lows. There were some real low lows. There were some real. Actually, I have a low. The low was whoever took time out of their day to look up Georgia on her thesis advisors website and then emailed her personal address um you're a fucking psychopath and i hope you get hit by a bus that's my it was a very joyful email though but (laughs) (laughs) oh well yeah that's if it was if it were a joyful email i would have been like i hope you get hit by a bus but no i do in fact hope this person gets hit by a bus i don't want them to die but i want them to suffer um (laughs) and moving on to my Moving on to my highs. I had a lovely message from at Owens Grace on Twitter. And she says, I love all the work you do for Bronzecast. It's greatly appreciated. Um, and that it's just such a fun vibe. I adore it. Keep it up. So we will do our best, which is why Clarissa is here to keep up our fun vibes. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> well, the rest of us are just like, dying inside or dead inside already i'm just dead inside from vanessa bullying me that is that's fair she hasn't bullied me in like 36 hours maybe it's like the longest she's gone in about three weeks didn't she like quote tweet one of my tweets to bully you i don't remember what it was there is like there is no tweet on the internet that Vanessa cannot turn into an age joke. Like nothing. There is nothing that she can't turn into a joke. She also, at least three times a week in the group chat, she says, I might go off private just so people can see what I'm saying about Sam right now, which is very funny. It's just like the little sister energy that comes from Vanessa is like far none as evidence by the Troy Stetcher cameo (laughs) and just like Sam's entire life on Twitter. (laughs) So yeah, we'll get her back though. One day, one day. Okay. Yeah. Those are the highs and lows. Um, Leave us reviews. Yes. Please subscribe. 
Give us five stars, all the things. Okay. Anyway, um, I didn't watch any Canucks games the past week, but I did watch all of Connor McDavid's games. Um, <laughs> he was playing the Canucks. Um, anyway, so we're going to talk about Connor McDavid hitting 100 points, which was huge for me. Um, it was largely ignored by the uh, broadcast group chat, which I was constantly sending updates to, and uh, they were just left on scene. Okay, to be fair, when he hit 100, I tweeted, everybody congratulate Mallory. You did. I also but said, like, if you guys were very hears, nice. If anyone hears a lone woman sobbing in Kansas City, it's Mallory. <laughs> did you not see this? Um, no, I couldn't read it through my tears. <laughs> I was actually hoping you would send us another like video of yourself crying. That's what I was really looking for. <laughs> no, <laughs> please don't do this to me. Anyway, as of recording, we're recording this on Wednesday. He has 104 points. Um, second, uh, does anyone want to guess what second is? Isn't it like Austin Matthews saying it's 30 fewer points or something? Um, it's Leon actually has um. the second amount of points he has 83 so i've said like before that it does seem like we should put connor in like a higher league but that doesn't exist so i don't know (laughs) like it is mean to keep him around and do that um also another thing that i think is commendable about um his existence is tyson berry who was in his flop era um (laughs) He has, he has the highest amount of points by a defenseman. That's what Connor McDavid can do for you. Um, anyway, I really do want him to win in Edmonton um, because I've been like very, not recently, but in the past, I have been very emotional about like literally just imagining what the like PowerPoint presentation of like, here's why you should sign eight years in Edmonton and them just like lying to him and being like, you're going to be like, it's going to be like Gretzky and McDavid, all of this. And like, you guys are both going to win a bunch in Edmonton. And so I do want him to win in Edmonton. I want him to win very badly, but I really want him to win in Edmonton because um, I want him to be able to go back to his prison home and have a nice time with (laughs) Lenny. (laughs) What, Georgia? Do you have anything to say? No, I was just thinking about the time I decided to watch the Connor McDavid, Wayne Gretzky interview each other. I think it was like a GQ thing. I literally had it was the two I haven't blandest people in the history of hockey talking to each other. Yeah, I so bad. But they're also out of all people incredibly skilled, and it's just like the most boring people alive talking to each other. So that's all I was thinking about. Also, mm, I push back against your, I haven't recently been thinking about this. You think about this every day. I, I was saying that I haven't recently been thinking about um, them lying to him and being like, oh, I see. Connor, we're going to build this great team. Like we have like all of this and we're going to build a team around you and it's going to be great. And that's where I. Um... Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I did think it was really cute when he hit a hundred the collective excitement of the team he smiled he looked so happy Leon Dreisaitl looked so happy it was very cute also the Tyson Berry thing is really funny because I feel like forever ago in the off season we were talking about Tyson Berry going to Edmonton on a one-year deal to try and up his stock 
in comparison to Taylor Hall going to Buffalo <laughs> to play one of those works. The other one did not. And well, also, okay, the thing about like so upping hard. your stock by going to play, especially on the power play with McDavid, because you're going to be playing with a Leon too, like that, that is a very safe bet. Mm-hmm. But the whole uh, like James Neal trade or whatever, he really did a lot for James Neal. Um, that man is also like geriatric and he was given the McDavid effect. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I really do hope that they, um, clown on the Leafs in the playoffs I know that like actually I want that okay so first of all I obviously want the Habs to beat the Leafs because it'd be funny um (laughs) but if that doesn't happen then I do want the Oilers to clown on the Leafs anything that could make the Leafs fans not happy is what I would love I agree I do realize that when I like put McDavid like in like the just like general notes i should have thought about how this was just going to be a monologue but if any of you other guys have anything to say i literally have I was nothing just to say that tyson berry made a very 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 smart decision to sign a one-year contract with the edmonton Oilers. that's all i've got sorry i'm like distracted by the abs being up six nothing in the second period then literally then you don't need to be distracted because they're going to win the game this is the the abs are the only hockey I've watched for the last two weeks. In case anyone was wondering, I don't even remember if I watched any of the Canucks. I think I did. Yes, I did because I saw um, um, the ginger one score his first goal. Oh, What's his name? Jack. Jack Rathbone. Jack Rathbone. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the ginger one. Cut that out, Mallory. No. <laughs> Definitely not. And that actually, like, that was one moment of happiness. Also, Nils Hogliner scored two goals last game. More happiness. He seems like a good boy. Do you want to talk Travis about put him, I wanted to know why Travis didn't put him on the ice in, like, the last minute. Travis is a dick sometimes. <laughs> no, I'm like, He looked that like is... he wanted to go on. And everyone was like, why? let him on, let him on. I feel like Travis hates fun. He does radiate that energy of just being like, like a fun sucker. He's like, no. He seems to be that kind of guy. Also, since like they're not playing the all of the kids like in these games that don't matter, especially they're like continued ones, which I thought they had to go play the Sins. And then somebody like I tweeted about it and somebody replied and they're like, they're literally playing the Flames. And I was like, I clearly don't care enough. <laughs> but they're going to play the Flames who are also not making the playoffs. So these are just pointless games. So you should just play all the kids. And Travis Green, who hates fun, said no. Yeah. Uh, so the Canucks were eliminated this week. Last week, this week, whatever. Same thing. And it's Struggle City. Uh, most people didn't watch the game. I saw some people being like, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to keep watching this. And that's something I've never said before. But it's a rough watch. And yeah, it's, it's going to be strange that they're still playing when the playoffs start, but they're they're also also playing a bunch of games at noon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They moved them like so early. It was like 1230 for one and like 130 for one. Yeah. I wake up at that time. (laughs) That's like rec league hilariousness. Yeah. It's just, so I, I would love to see some 
shenanigans go down. Not like violent shenanigans, but just like, let's do ice angels. Let's do what we did in minor hockey, where you just make the skating train and you go around the ice or you slide like Superman. Let's do some of that. Let's, let's get fun. some defensemen playing like center. Let's Yeah. Quinn Hughes. Put him up. <laughs> Let's just see what happens. Let's put Alex Adler in net. You never know if it happens. I was going to say, I I just want Jacob Markstrom to let Alex Adler's 100th goal in because this is his only chance. (laughs) Markstrom just like moves out of the way. (laughs) That would be so good. That's it in. That would be so good. Do you guys think Adler's going to come back or is he going to be a Kraken? No, I don't think he will be a Kraken because um, I don't think the Kraken are stupid enough for that because they have uh, Namita at the wheel. And um, I don't know. I just don't see there's any reason for him to move his family and all this. And like, he's definitely not going to, like, he's probably going to be just playing at league minimum. So it's no real reason, in my opinion, for him to move. That's fair. I mean, we don't have defensemen. Yeah. <laughs> so not to switch. The or they might just overpay him for like five years. <laughs> I also wouldn't put it past no. them just like giving him a huge contract for like five years. I mean, like this man is going to be like 50 years old by the time we let him off the ice. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, Clarissa, say what you're going to say. I just want to say that, um, did you guys see that the Kraken drafted their first player today? Yes. He has really nice eyebrows. <laughs> that's all I, that's all I know. And he's from Nova Scotia. Yeah, I he plays in the, yeah, in the QMJHL for the something Armada. I don't yes. remember the team. Yeah, Luke Luke Hedman, good for you. Good good dude. <laughs> Luke Hedman, really congratulations on being a answer to a lot of trivia questions from now on. Mhm. I think he was drafted by Oh fuck, who was he drafted by but he didn't sign? Carolina. He was drafted by Carolina. Yeah, he was just a free agent. Sign. Yeah, and so yeah, their first player, which is very exciting. I'm actually I love the expansion draft. It's going to be chaos. And also the Canucks are pretty like safe. Like they're not going to lose anyone major, so it feels nice knowing that we don't have to worry about protecting people. So we can just watch chaos ensue, which is pretty exciting. Okay, my last question is: Hater of fun, Travis Green, going to resign with the Canucks, or will he end up as the coach of the New York Rangers? Or the Kraken, as Vanessa likes He's to not, say. Okay, well, who's who's <laughs> lacking a coach? The Coyotes are lacking a coach. Rangers. Kraken. Kraken, obviously. <laughs> Columbus. Columbus now. Um, does Montreal, did they, is, what's it say, still an interim? I think so. Desharm's still an interim? But yes. I guess probably resign him. Yeah. Um, I say he's going to resign, but... There are plenty of places he could go if he just decides that it he does not like it here. <laughs> I mean, his family lives in California. Oh, then absolutely not. He's not staying here. This place sucks. <laughs> his kid has autism, so they stay there. And he lives here. But yeah, I don't know. I do enjoy that he keeps I enjoy that he keeps saying he wants to be here, therefore making it very clear that he's not the holdup. <laughs> Like the very subtle campaign of Travis Green to throw the throw management under the bus has been extremely well played. Yeah. But they need to sign him because I think essentially if he's gone, Ian Clark is gone. I think I think I can't remember oh, who told fuck. me that, but it was essentially like if 
if he doesn't sign here, Clark is not interested in signing here. Mm. Perhaps, yeah. I don't really well, know. Well, that's fine because uh, I am shifting to being a Red Wings fan. So I just so think right it's then. a it's a really funny thing. I think a lot of people thought that the signing would be announced after the Kraken officially joined the league because it, it meant that the Canucks would then get all of their expansion money. Uh, how much did they pay? $600 million or something? Something insane. Something like that. Something insane. So they were they get a cut of it. And a lot of people thought that was going to happen. But no one knows. So I guess we'll see. But yeah, it'll be interesting. I As much as he hates fun. And when I say hates fun, I mean, he hates anything that hockey Twitter likes. <laughs> like anything that brings you joy. Um, he's a good coach. I, I thought he did a really, really good job in the bubble last year. And he's done the best he can with a subpar team for the time he's been here. So we'll see. We'll see. He's funny. He's like, I don't know how to ex- like describe him, but he was um, like just jumping back to, I'll explain later, but um, during Botcher Project Day, um, that was the same day that he misheard the Canucks PR guy and he just like left like abruptly. And that shit was so funny to me, but I don't know. I just find him, I don't know, it's kind of funny. He's like unironically funny. <laughs> okay, actually what's really yeah. funny about Travis Green is that he is a like, was embroiled in a uh, like gambling scandal <laughs> with the Philly mob. <laughs> that is Philly actually mob. funny. <laughs> and Jeremy Runnick, Operation <laughs> Slapshot, Janet Gretzky, yeah. or not Janet Gretzky, um, Jeremy Runnick. He's a huge like poker player. That was there like a picture of him? <laughs> I don't know, but he definitely likes to play <laughs> poker. He definitely, yeah, he was definitely like name checked in it. Yeah. A very large case. <laughs> Got it. It's very funny. It is very okay, funny. Yeah, continue. Yeah. <laughs> no, he has a very dry sense of humor, which makes for some fun audio clips and exchanges. We'll see, I guess. But like, who would I didn't have like elegantly <laughs> set up, but I did have it relatively more elegantly set up so we could talk about the comparison of our number one and two in 2015. But then we got off track as usual. I don't know why I thought that that would not happen. Anyway, Just, yeah, that's fine. We're not known for our segues. We're not, we are definitely not known for it. Literally, just my, my own mind is like, oh, speaking of, and it's just something that's nothing nothing related to the topic um I do have a friend who's really obsessed with Jack Geigel and I constantly harass her with being like oh you choose the wrong generational talent from shout 2015 to be obsessed with shout out to Maya um I love her she's great uh anyway Jack Geigel not hitting 100 points not having a good experience in year um actually I looked up this uh also, this it's like this snippet from this article from 2020 that I also used to harass Maya. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Dmitry Filipovic, Filipovich, Povich. I'm from Kansas. Don't don't come at me. From the <laughs> I, Hockeypedia cast and ESPN. Okay. Anyway, the quote is: It's just an article that's about like heart candidates or something. Um, 
that's ultimately it's that's ultimately going to be too much for Eichel to overcome here, especially if the past voting trends are any indication. In 2017 to 2018, Conor McDavid was far and away the most productive and impactful player in the game, and he managed to six of 164 total first place votes. Last season, he didn't win the scoring title, had bigger on versus off ice splits than anyone else because of how hopeless the Oilers for were and he managed just one first place vote it's equally fitting and tragic that the top two draft picks from 2015 seemingly remain forever linked in that way sir why did you write that last sentence <laughs> why did you write that that way i think he listens to the podcast now also <laughs> hi dimitri <laughs> i will cut that but <laughs> why did he say that you gotta do what you gotta do um Jack Eichel we gotta explain the Jack Eichel thing for people okay the Jack Eichel it. thing is he's been out three quarters of the season at least with a back injury or something some sort of injury um herniated vertebrae about- or something 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 um, with a vertebrae Jack Eichel as we all know is uh GM team like coach first line center of the Sabres um but even he apparently cannot battle, I guess, the Pagulas. They are a horrible ownership. Absolutely atrocious. Um, as the Sabres are our expansion siblings, um, it is also equally fitting <laughs> and tragic that we're linked in this way, which is horrible ownership in a team that fucking sucks. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how else to describe what's happening with Jack Eichel. Hey, well, basically, than- basically what happened was, um, so he had this injury and anyone can step in and correct me if I'm wrong because I read this on Twitter um so he has this he had this injury he wanted to get surgery and the team wouldn't let him I believe it was the same injury that Derek that ended Derek Dorsett's career I think it was the same injury in a different part so I don't know wouldn't end his career I'm not really sure but he wanted to get surgery the team wouldn't let him which is insane like on wild levels but also um, is just so indicative of the kind of the mass problems that exist in hockey and the shittiness of the NHLPA. And I guess it's just like this weird reminder that sports um, and the bodies of athletes are, well, it's product, right? Like it's capital. Yeah. It's not just your body. So, and it reminded me a lot of the conversation we had with Hannah Facknitz uh, forever ago, where he talked about the way that sports produces disabled bodies in a lot of ways. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really strange. So anyway, Eichel came out and basically like told this story, insinuated, I think at the end of the quote, he said, I look forward to playing hockey wherever it is next year, essentially like insinuating that he's not coming back. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I think people think he's going to end up in with the Rangers, but I don't really so know. Funny. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that does actually link Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel is being really good on shitty teams. Yes, pretty much. They're both like excellent in the whole like McEichel Derby situation did not do them any favors. Um, I mean, Buffalo obviously actively was losing for 
Eichel, not Eichel. They were actually actively losing for McDavid and they got Eichel as a consolation prize. But obviously the amount of first overall picks Oilers had in the, how many? Four, Four? five, at least. They had Hall, Yakupov, um, Nugent Hopkins, Nugent Hopkins, and McDavid. McDavid. So obviously that team is not good. <laughs> and you can't just magically fix that with people that you also, Yakupov and Hall are no longer there. Yakupov left because he's in the not KHL, good. I think. Yeah, he left because he's not good. But they sold off Hall essentially to pay for McDavid. And Nugent Hopkins is fine, but he's kind of just like a, he's not the kind of. He's a good player. That's he's, about he's it. He's a fine, like, but he's not the kind of, the like thing that gets put on McDavid is like the generational talent or like the well it's almost like unfair for both Eichel and McDavid because they're so excellent we have placed this unfair idea on first overalls like I think this was really shown with Jack Hughes last year and people were surprised that like he wasn't obviously immediately magnificent but anyway people were saying that like they were just underwhelmed by Jack Hughes and it's because not everyone is Jack Eichel and not everyone is Connor McDavid. And it's just absurd that we got both of them in one year that we just skewed our entire perception of what first overall picks are supposed to be. Well, there's also like, I sometimes people do really forget that not everyone makes the transition because you're going from playing, like if you're in the OHL, for example, you're going from playing guys who are anywhere between the ages of 15 at the very youngest, if you get exceptional player status to 21. And when you're going to the NHL, you're playing 30 year old men. (laughs) Like it's a big difference as an 18 year old. Um, So it's a big dramatic jump. Um, And it's not easy. And you're also not playing on a first line and you might not be protected in the same way. Like there's so many reasons that go into why, it's a struggle and not like everyone the quantity makes... of games is not the yeah, same and not ever, just, all of this it, and the travel yeah. is not like, I mean, obviously you're on a bus, which is actually arguably worse mm-hmm. than being well, and on even like, like cross country flights. Yeah. But even if you look at a connect someone like, um, Elias Pedersen, like in the first half of his first season, he was like really amazing and did crazy things. And he made the jump really well, especially as a center, which is arguably the hardest I mean, other than if you're like a goalie, I guess, but hardest position to kind of be dropped into. And at the same time, the second half of his first season wasn't actually that good. Like it, he was, it wasn't at the same rate. So you can kind of see, yes, he started out really well. He didn't have second half, but it's not, it's just not easy. It's not an easy transition. And so, yeah, I don't know the first overall. Yeah. I hate the draft in general. So boy (laughs) option topic for another day. Uh, it's ridiculous but yeah anyway do you think that we should do away with the draft yes but I also like I don't know what other system they use yeah because I do think that if they shifted to any other like thing then other smaller smaller market teams almost would obviously automatically fail and would really be but no it wouldn't because if if they have the salary cap they can't right like the only way arguably the only way it works is if you maintain the salary cap because then like you can't stockpile theoretically you can't stockpile a bunch of players because you won't have enough money so it will well, filter eventually, out but you, eventually so it but will theoretically to, filter out eventually but you'd have them for like the first three years oh you'd maintain the elcs elcs but then what's the point of maintaining the elcs because i also don't like i also hate those <laughs> 
because they should just do it like med school residency where people like where (laughs) med (laughs) students rank their schools and the schools rank the students and then they just match them that would be so funny that would be just peak hockey chaos (laughs) no I also hate entry-level deals because I feel like I don't know it's just yeah anyway it's like unpaid internships (laughs) well yes except like you're making eight hundred thousand dollars yeah well, also, like, there's ways to get around them with bonus bonuses. bonuses and stuff. But I just think as we kind of... Georgia, moved- I would take an unpaid internship where I got paid $875,000. Yeah. No, I, I think I mean more in the sense that as we've been seeing now, like, the peak of hockey players' years is, like, directly right after the ALC ends. And leading up to it is also, like, really valuable. And, yeah. If you Has anyone told Jim Benning that? Yeah. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but he does listen to our podcast and decides how to meet trades via that. So, um, good recommendation. Um, we should probably move on <laughs> to soap opera. Okay. Um, we'll do a quick soap opera and then we'll, we'll get to the interview. Okay. Basically there was a survey. I don't know what like the methods of this survey were at all. No, it's an Angus Reed Institute poll where okay. they, so it was an online survey of over 1600 adults that took place between February 11th and 16th. Um, the Angus Reed Institute said a probability sample of this size would carry a margin error of error of plus minus 2.4 percentage points, 19 times out of 20. I took stats. I don't know what that means. Basically they said the poll revealed that the majority of Canadians, which was, well, the majority of respondents who coached or played hockey, youth hockey in particular, cited that, so 64% of them cited that, like, answered with the response that there was issues with bullying in hockey, and also um, that there was issues with misogyny, and that 88% of them agreed that it was too expensive a sport to play, which, true. But it was significant because of the fact that the majority of respondents responded with the fact that they think that hockey culture and hockey in general has an issue with misogyny and racism, which is pretty significant. While at the same time, like 94% of them still said that it's a vital part of Canadian culture. So there's an issue there that we can get into another time about racism and misogyny in Canada, but we will save that for another day. There was a survey that confirmed our lived experience. We already know this. We already talk about it all the time. Well, no, it was, yeah, it was really interesting because it came out and I think, I mean, the last year has been kind of pretty, I don't want to say eye-opening because I don't think it's necessarily that, but maybe it's kind of forced people to confront the stuff that they probably already knew, but were able to kind of compartmentalize with hockey um, and the knowledge of the issues. And it's just a weird time for this poll to come out because, um, Yesterday, the first all-black NHL line, like, played uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then They're actually not the first. Oh, they aren't? No, the Atlanta Thrashers had an all-black line. Oh, right, 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 right. Yes, that is true. I don't know. It's this, like, celebratory moment, but at the same time, like, Jesus Christ, that's depressing to think about. But also, there's obvious reasons why. So, the majority of hockey teams do not even have three black players on it. No, the Canucks. I think the Canucks do now, which is interesting technically i think they're all injured or not playing (laughs) right 
anyway, so that happened. Plus, obviously, there's still like the Jake Vertanen allegations. And then just today, there was a report from Chicago where uh, a member of the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks team is suing the Blackhawks because they were sexually assaulted during the 2010 season. They're currently suing them. You know, it's just like this there's a lot of stuff happening around this kind of situation and it's, yeah, I don't know. I guess like a moment for people to reflect, but also, yeah, as we talk about like very often, we love hockey and that's why we want hockey culture to change because we want it to be like a good place for people to experience a game that we love. And there are so many elements that make it. So it's very difficult Mm -hmm. with, yeah. Yeah, like I, I grew up playing hockey and I really loved it. I loved my entire experience playing, but I was also insulated and I played girls hockey, which not that it doesn't have its own issues, but there's a lot of things that don't exist in girls hockey that do exist in men's hockey. Um, there's a lot of, I played with a lot of queer players, multiple people who I played with were trans, like those kind of conversations were happening with us, but um, yeah, there's a lot of things that have to happen, I think, for um, people to want the next generation of kids to play, really. Like, you know, do you do you want to be paying thousands of dollars a year for your kid to play a sport that isn't welcoming to them um, if you're BIPOC or, you know, is, is going to leave them permanently injured situations yeah. of that sort? It's that's where like the financial thing comes in because it's like the kind of decision is it's much deeper than just being like, oh, I have to drop you off, for example, um, or scheduling. It's like, no, it's a significant monetary decision to make. And it's yeah, the conversation becomes like, what would you do? And I think about it all the time. Like, I don't I don't really know. I think the other element of this conversation of like the various things that have been referenced in in this conversation is that it's been a really brutal week for the NHLPA in terms of being exposed for being an absolutely useless union in terms of advocacy and protecting its workers' rights. Like, completely useless. Between the Jack Eichel situation and people figuring out that what the PA had agreed to in terms of players not being able to, like, the ultimate decision over a player's injury still being in the hands of team doctors. And I think, you know, anyone who watched Rick Westhead's Problem of Pain documentary, like there are some very clear conflict of interest issues with team doctors. Like any union who agrees to that, like, like don't know what you're doing. Now the, the Blackhawks suit that Georgia referenced earlier um, in the article where it was, where it was first reported, the player's lawyer said that he took his complaint to the PA and they did nothing, which really raises the question. Like if you're going to be a player's association, if you are a union and you aren't in fact doing anything to protect your workers' rights. And the only time you ever actually do something is when you have to fight over what, what the meaning of the words hockey related revenue are like, don't be a union then like, don't call yourself a union. Don't pretend like you care about the CBA. This is a joke. Like, I don't, what is the point of Donald Fair? And what is the point of any of 
the PA reps. I, I'm not sure that you could go to any team's PA rep and that they would be able to tell you anything meaningful about workers' rights. Oh God, no. But it's a joke. Like, what? what is the point of this? If, if I were a player, I would just fucking stop paying any dues I had to pay to the PA. Like, this is a joke. Yeah, the PA absolutely doesn't even function as a workers' community. It is just an institute for the idea of hockey. No, it's a, P, it's a PR machine, basically. Like, yes. if you go to their website, they're the ones who, like, generate a lot of the kind of random content. Like, I'm pretty sure the stuff about, like, the player questionnaires all came from the PA website. The stuff where Roman Yossi said he never read a book. And Connor McDavid said the funnest thing about being an NHL player was being an NHL player. Like, those I mean, that, all came that from That is PA. something, actually. They're providing with us with a lot. <laughs> but, that's it, but that's really it. Like, it's, or that's what it seems like. And yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's an interesting conversation, especially when you compare it to leagues that have strong unions, like the baseball union is pretty intense. Um, they obviously have a longer history. Um, maybe during the off season when I'm not in a hole of thesis writing, I will look into the formation of the NHLPA. Cause all I know about the history is like <laughs> Helen Eagleson, which also not great. But that is, but that is a substantive part of their history. They were, PA was essentially formed by Ted Lindsay and one other player from the Montreal Canadiens who I can't remember, but it was Ted Lindsay, another player. They were in charge for like five or six years of its start during which it was just the NHL trying to like union bust. And then after that, Alan Eagleson was appointed and he was in charge for like 30 years during which the players had no idea that he was fucking stealing all their money. He was embezzling all of their pension funds. (laughs) And that is the entire history of this Players Association. Doug like, Harvey. It's garbage. Oh, yeah, Doug Harvey. Yeah. So, yeah, Burn I don't know. Burn it to the ground and start over. That is my answer to everything related to hockey. Burn it to the ground and start again. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's pretty wild, I guess. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what Mel said, like, one of the things that we constantly get accused of when people, like, yell at us online is, don't you guys, like, hate hockey and talk about how terrible it is all the time? And... Like when we're critiquing it or we are critiquing it from a place of wanting it to be better because we do genuinely love the sport. If you strip it down to, you know, what it's like, actual if we, fun of if it. We didn't if we like, like hockey at all, we would just ignore it. Like we obviously wanted to yeah. change out of a place of enjoyment of the sport and I culture think is also- not the correct thing, but like friendships and stuff we've made out of hockey and situations of that and I think like there's a big part yeah we do genuinely really love it and I think the thing is that it's fine to want something to be better that's a totally fine thing to ask of something that you like or that you love like and it's also fine to call it out when it's not great like that's part of being a fan is you have this interactive relationship with something and that's okay to do it's like being a fan of the Canucks you don't have to love them all the time for example, they make me want to <laughs> like stab myself in the eyes all the time and yet I still watch them. Chris is here current Botchford project member and we're just going to talk to you about your experience so 
how did you get like involved with it and how was your time with the game? I know you haven't actually published your article or whatever yet, Mm -hmm. but so if you want to talk about anything that it's about, feel free. But if it's top secret because you haven't fully like fleshed it out, that's also fair. (laughs) Yeah, um, I guess I'll start there, but um, I kind of like, I didn't leave Jeff Patterson on red or anything. But I, I emailed him telling I I'm telling him I'd get it done by Sunday and I did not send it to him yet. Anyways, he sent an email to us and um, I believe the first uh, oh so okay the other two recipients were Lachlan and Arash. Um, they're super cool and I'm really grateful that I got to spend the day with them because. As most people know, um, last year, everyone, all the nine recipients were able to um, experience their own day, their own game um, by themselves, essentially. I don't know how I would have experienced that alone. I'm horrified. I would have been just scared out of my bones. I don't know. Um, But they were super fun, and I'm really grateful that they were there. Anyways. Oh my god, Lawson's article should be going up first, so I'm really excited for that. Um, and I don't think I'm going to spoil anyone's articles, um, but that's going to be really fun. Okay, the application, first off, I was really back and forth with at first. Like, I was like, oh yeah, I have to apply at least, like that, I just need to. And I've met so many people here that I felt not only inclined, but kind of, I just felt like I was very obligated to do it I just needed to um and (laughs) if people saw my post I ended up applying maybe like two hours before the deadline time (laughs) because I'm bad at time management but also because two hours is fine that's that's very (laughs) on time early that's early no No, you're great I (laughs) submit things like two to five business days after the due date all the time uh, no you guys are giving me too credit <laughs> I um we had a lot of time to apply and I just decided to really flesh out my answer thankfully um Kat Botford was really really sweet kind um love her and she selected me and I think it had a lot to do with how I I, I posted like a sentence on Jason Botchford's anniversary um, on uh, just like how I really wish that I met him because as most people know, um, I joined hockey Twitter in September, which is freaking insane. Jesus Christ. Like I haven't been here for a year yet and (laughs) I'm here. And um, yeah, I just talked about how I really wish I met him. I feel like I was late. I feel like I should have been here sooner and I will feel like I would have talked to him at this point and literally like cried like multiple times writing this application because I am just a really emotional person but also just because I knew how much this experience meant to a lot of people but I knew how much this would mean to me if I were to get it and I did and it yeah I'm just a really emotional person. I just it was really great and yeah, I cried like maybe three times writing it and then I sent it and then I was like, okay, I'm over it. It's I'm not going to get it. It's okay. Someone can get it. And I'll just, I, I had a really good time writing it and I learned a lot about Jason. I obviously like read all his articles and um, obviously still like read The Athletic like all the time. And like, I don't know. It's just in that sense of 
catching up. It just makes me so sad that I, I, I'm essentially like catching up on stuff that I wish that I already read. Again, it's just like the sense of like how I feel like I just came in at the wrong time, but kind of like the right time at the same time, which is so stupid. Anyways, yeah. So that was my application process thing. It was a mess, but it ended up being really great for me. And I'm very, very, very grateful. And yeah. (laughs) What was it like being at the rink? Like, obviously, as you mentioned, you had a completely different experience than the people last year who were in the locker room. They had their individual days. They sat in Jason's seat in the press box and all that kind of stuff. Um, What was it like for you to like interview people on Zoom? I would be so scared. (laughs) I'd be scared to like talk to them in person, but over Zoom, I would like lose my mind. Yeah. um, So instead of the press box this year, which the press box is at the top, top of the um, arena, I believe. Um, we were in the Encore Lounge, which was really fucking bougie for so long. <laughs> There's like a, um, what's it called? Fireplace, um, like couches, and it was just like really nice. Uh, also, I need to make this note, and I've told like Lachlan, I told Arash, I told, no, I mainly just told them. <laughs> but um, uh, that was my third time in Rogers Arena. <laughs> Like in my life, um, I went to a game last year in March before the shutdown. Um, apparently, I don't remember this, but uh, we went to like a skills competition when I was really, really young for free. And those are fun. I have no photo evidence, so I have no idea. <laughs> but uh, apparently I went. So this is the third time I've been in Rogers Arena. And I just ended up being in this bougie ass l- lounge with all these important men (laughs) and it was freaking insane um so yeah we were up there it was obviously really cold um but I got used to it I was wearing a really big puffer jacket anyways to the interview part we essentially got uh we watched like the pre-skate um I tweeted about it I literally couldn't recognize anyone except for Tyler Myers because he was the only like huge man on the ice I couldn't recognize anyone else. They didn't have numbers, right? So, like, I, I was just like, who is, who, who, who? Um, uh, but, yeah. So, pre-skate. And then we did the interviews. And that was stressful as hell. That was, like, the most stressful part of the day, obviously. Um, should I say who I interviewed? Did you request? Like, did you guys get to request? Yeah, sorry. I should, yeah, bring that no, up. No, no, no. So it's okay. Actually, I, I didn't know if you were able to. Yeah, yeah. So, connects. Connects PR, Marcus Anderson, so kind to us, um, did not have to do this, but he did it. He essentially let us have one player to ourselves, which is insane. Um, Like, that's not what, like, none of the media dudes got that opportunity all season. So... Who did you talk to? Mr. Zach McEwen. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's awesome. First of all, that's exciting. Yeah, no, it was a really good interview. He was super nice. Um, The funny part was I basically, so we were obviously like there was seating around the lounge and then there was like the inside part with the couches and the um, fireplace. Mm -hmm. Um, So the media men basically, (laughs) I don't know if they're going to be offended whenever I say media dudes and stuff. Was there any women? Like was was Gemma (laughs) Um, there? Gemma was there, but she got there at the game. She wasn't there. Obviously, there weren't many media dudes in the (laughs) I keep saying it. It's fine. It's like reality. 
I think um, Gemma's the Gemma and um uh I will not I can't remember her name but um the woman who works for Hockey Night Punjabi are like pretty much the only women in that press box mm-hmm. yeah um yeah anyway sorry continue <laughs> yeah um uh yeah so there's the seating and there was like the couches on the inside and they basically suggested for us when the interviews would start to move in because obviously there was sounds from the rink if mm-hmm. you were to ask them the questions at the seating um I listened to that except we were all sitting kind of like in the couch areas and then I started to get anxious and I didn't want people to watch me when I was doing my interview so I like moved a little like right between like the seating and the fireplace just like away from everyone (laughs) when my interview was coming up and when that happened I basically started talking to Zach and he didn't hear me the first time which is so embarrassing but like he like I asked my question and my voice was being drowned out by like the Zamboni or something so Jeff Mr. Jeff Patterson my dad now all of a sudden because we're making fun of him for taking a picture of me blinking. <laughs> that, that picture was so funny I was like as soon as he posted I was like oh my god you are such a dad <laughs> everyone was literally like oh my god this is like the biggest dad moment ever and it's okay I forgive him <laughs> but he um he basically like this is like the second dad thing he did that day was where he like very hurriedly like came over and started like ushering me near like a wall because he couldn't hear me and I was like oh <laughs> okay and he then I like repeated so yeah so he like ushered me and then I like read in my questions and it went really well it was fine um you guys will hear like what I brought up but the one thing I wish I brought up I have no idea why I didn't I think I just forgot but I wanted to ask him about Lennon (laughs) and I didn't but it's fine (laughs) it's cool (laughs) you always have next time okay so you then so you obviously got to stay for the game yes that night what what was the most surprising thing for you about experiencing the kind of press side of hockey for most of the game I was on Twitter when am I not like I I usually am and it just made me feel it it like affirmed a lot of things for me not many people know I um am kind of struggling like with what I really want to do in the future and this is like what a lot of like very soon-to-be graduates struggle with except I literally had zero things to latch on in the past like three years um so when hockey came around I really just like just took it and ran anyways the one thing that I took away the most of was that I think I mean obviously a lot of people were very kind that day um and I really don't take compliments very well (laughs) and I hate being the center of attention and like all of that but a lot of them were really just reminding me to give credit to myself and that was something that I still I still really um, struggle with like writing as a writer is that like I just I don't really trust myself in this space it it is it isn't even like before I was kind of scared because oh yeah I am like a woman a woman of color in this space that um, doesn't really have any of people that look exactly like me and sure that made me like very doubtful that made me very insecure um, of my success if there were any of that but a lot of the people there made me feel welcome a lot of the people there taught me a lot of things that actually like I just never really considered myself 
see myself in there in that space and when I was finally in that space and people actually made me feel comfortable in that space that was just exactly what I needed and I didn't know that was what I needed. three stars let's go okay so this is like three and a half three with like a second bullet point because clear so you can have a star too anyway once again guess what buddies it's an f1 person baby (laughs) anyway the answer is that i legitimately think the chief strategist at mercedes is my star of the week his name's james wolves vowels i can't remember his last name it's just a v it's something that has also a bunch of vowels in it um quote Valtteri it's James anyway my king screwed over Red Bull and Max for the win at the Catalonian Grand Prix it's all he's good at his job my star of the week is Gabriel Landeskog because he broke Peter Forsberg's record in Colorado tonight it's pretty impressive what was the record Fuck, I can't remember. I just saw the record. Best thing ever. He broke a record. Also, he posted. He posted the cutest photo of him with Linnea on his way back from the road trip yesterday morning, and it was adorable. That's cute. Um, my star of the week is Jen Botterell, who, on the weekend, saw on the Hockey Night Canada panel. And spoke very eloquently and passionately about the Tom Wilson incident, particularly in response to the kind of Kevin, uh, to Kevin Bx's like response to it himself, who is kind of like, eh, it's not a big deal, whatever. And she responded to, to it in a really awesome way that I think is really important and kind of signals um, to a lot of people the reasons why you need to have hockey panels that are not just made up of ex-NHL players. So... Jen Botterell, you get my star. Clarissa, who's your star of the week? Um, mine's Jason Robertson for Dallas Stars. Um, Jason, DM me. <laughs> he, um, he, I'm kidding. Anyways, <laughs> um, he he um, scored the OT winner, and he just had like an insane season. And I literally don't follow the Dallas Stars. I follow him, so good for him. <laughs> I don't um, know if he'll get the Calder, but we'll see. Fuck, Vanessa's not even here and like she's in my head but I thought the cutest thing I read this week was when Tyler Sagan was like he drives Jason Robertson home from the airport and like was talking about like was basically a proud dad about all the growth he's seen in him just from talking to him and I was like fuck I remember when Tyler Sagan was 18 and like got traded for missing team breakfast and was like a total (laughs) shit show and now he's the team dad someone has to show up because Jamie Ben won't he's too busy cheating Um, on his girlfriends the record that Gabriel Landeskog <laughs> broke was he passed Peter Forsberg on the franchise goals list. Oh, holy shit. He's number one. Second? I also don't know that. Anyway, that's all we got for you this week. You can follow us at Broadcast Pod anywhere. Unfortunately, we'll still be watching Canucks games next week while the playoffs are happening. So we'll see you then. You can catch me at Sports Lesbian. I'm at Samantha CP underscore. 
I'm at Georgia Twist, but also mainly at Broadcast Pod. I'm at, at Queen's Edgework. Yeah, follow Clarissa, our lovely Please guest. Don't. I don't like being I don't like being perceived. Or but... she doesn't like being perceived, so actually don't. <laughs> That's all. Goodbye. Bye.